Hi friends, I'm Paige. And I'm Abby. And welcome to a Love Like This podcast. Hey guys, so joining us today is our good friend, Lara. Lara is only 16 years old and she's currently fighting stage four cancer alongside her mum and little sister, Sarah. We have created a friendship with Lara, us girls, and we recorded this episode while having a girls night, watching the longest ride, eating food and doing face masks. So listen to this conversation with Lara to find a new perspective on life and how Lara living with her illness has brought her closer to her God and stronger in her faith and how important it is to have genuine good friends. And I can honestly say that a love like that means everything to me. And I'm so thankful for Lara and I hope you enjoy this conversation. Let's get into it. Hey, Lara. Hi. <laughs> Charlize, Robin, say hi. Hello. Hi. We're all in the same room, by the way, guys. We're all having like a girl's night. And we're going to chat to Lara and we're really excited about it. Okay, Lara, so starting off, we obviously know you quite well, all us girls. But for people who don't know you, can you tell them a little bit like a little bit about yourself. Um, my name's Lara. I'm 16. I'm a stage four of metastasized Hodgkin lymphoma and brain cancer patient. Okay, Lara. So we've heard your story over pizza when we had a pajama night at your place. Um, but obviously, people listening don't know your story, and I want to give you the opportunity now to tell it. So can you tell us your story? Okay. So. In October 2018, I started my job. Before that, I was quite ill and I had like respiratory problems, like coughing. But I went to the GP and she just said I had asthma. And then they brought in the bag rule where you had to pay 10 cent, 15 cents sorry, um, per bag. And a lot of people um, were tired asses <laughs> and said, just shove as much into the bag as you can. So I would have to do that. But my job was to like lift it and twist yeah. it. So I started getting really, really severe back pain. So I went to the GP and we did some x-rays and she said, oh, there's nothing wrong with you. It came back a normal examination. And then I was still in so much pain in my back and I couldn't really carry my school bag. So when I would go to school, all I had was like one notepad, one mm-hmm. pen, and um, I didn't even carry any water, nothing around. It was just too painful. So um, my back kept getting worse and worse. And she, I went to physio, acupuncture, chiropractor, like everything. I did everything and nothing was making the pain go away. I started getting really, really severe hip pain and I couldn't cross my legs at school to sit on the floor with my friends and we used to make like jokes up saying, oh yeah, you've got a compromised hip. And so I'd be sitting in class on the chair and I'd just start crying because I was in so much pain. I was on four tablets of Panadine Fort um, every day for about six months because no one would pick it up. And then um, I started getting sweats, so night sweats and hot flushes and I had a rash where um, my parts of my skin were turning white. Um, I went to the dermatologist and she just said, oh, it's just um, stress. And I was like, I don't really think so. I was looking up on the internet all like my signs and my symptoms. And I was going to the GP nearly every day because of the pain. And she just kept writing doctor's certificates. And we were doing 
like little tests that you could think of um so we did an ultrasound on my hip and it came back that I had mild bursitis which is kind of like an inflammation of the hip so they gave me a cortisone injection thinking oh yeah it will make it better but in fact it made it so so much worse so I couldn't sleep at night I was crying I'd wake up in so much pain and it was I didn't sleep for ages and then I went to the GP and I told her, I think I have cancer. She goes, no, no, Lara, I promise you, you don't have cancer. And then a few days later, um, I started getting like more sick, but like more flu-like symptoms. And um, we did a blood test and she said, oh, you just have influenza A, but it's too late. We can't give you any medicine for it. And I said, well, I don't really think I have influenza A. So we did more blood tests and they came back with my white blood cells that were through the roof. They were so high. And you know, when you go to the doctors and they like pat you down, they feel your lymph nodes and she did all that. And she said, no, nothing wrong. You're okay. And then I was in so much pain. So I went to a private hospital three times. On the first visit, um, they just sent me home with pain relief, so more panadine fort. Um, so they told me that I had to go see a psychologist. And I went to the psychologist and she said, no, Lara, it's not in your head. There's something physically wrong with you. And on the third time I went there, they said, oh, you know, you've come here so many times. Like, we told you already, you're just addicted to the medicine. We're not going to give you any more. And my mum said, no, like, there's something seriously wrong with my daughter. you got to figure out what it, what, like, what it is. And I just remember crying to my mum and I said, I said, I think, I feel like I'm dying, mum. I feel like I'm dying. And um, it was just really hard because no one believed me, no one. Everyone just thought I was making it off. We had to go to a random GP just to get a referral to get an MRI done. So we did the MRI and the lady said, oh, if anything comes back, we'll ring you within four hours. And it was the first day of the September school holidays and we have a holiday house up in Foster. So we waited the four hours and we didn't get any phone call. So we drove another four hours up to Foster, still nothing. And it was about five or six at night by then. We got a phone call, like mum got a phone call. I was asleep and my sister, she had been sick previously too. So I thought it was just a phone call for her. And mum said, you've got to get in the car. We've got to go to the doctor. Now, I was just on my L. So I was like, oh yeah, sure, I'll <laughs> drive you. Like, yeah, you can't wait. <laughs> so I drove there. Mum's like, you have to get out. And um, the doctor's surgery, they actually stayed open just to see me. I walked in and he didn't really tell me much. And he just said, oh, you have some type of cancer. We don't know what it is. Um, but the blood place across the bridge is staying open. Um, you have to go over there urgently. And we've got to, there's a whole plane waiting for you and your bloods to get you back to Sydney as soon as possible. So I went and did um, the blood test and I said, please, I don't want to get on the plane. I want to go with my mum. Mm. So they made an appointment. They flew the bloods. Um, so we drove through the night and when we got there, we got told that the doctor I was supposed to be seeing went on um, a holiday to the Rugby World Cup with his family and that we had to come back another time. And um, I was walking down the corridor and, like, I was in so much pain. I was crying. Mm -hmm. And um, 
one of the oncology doctors, she stopped and she saw how much pain I was in and she said, can I please read your reports? And she read them and she said, you have to get to emergency straight away. Like mm-hmm. I have a meeting to go to, but I'll be back. Like give me half an hour. So we went to, I went to emergency. They gave me morphine, endone, everything. Wouldn't get rid of the pain, nothing. And then we saw the MRI result. Brought literally the whole meeting of doctors. There were about 20 doctors. They all came down and she started patting me down. And she goes, you have cancer here, here, here. And she started naming all the places and she goes to me we don't usually tell patients that they have cancer without doing scans but I tell you you 100% have cancer so that afternoon I went for a PET scan and a CT scan and um, when I was in the PET scan they give you radioactive glucose but you have to wait for it to go through your body and it takes a whole hour so I was lying there and it was burning like it felt like my whole body was on fire and I kept telling them they're like it's not normal like that's not meant to happen I was telling them no it's burning here here like I was telling them where it was burning and then when we got the PET scan results everywhere that was burning was where the cancer is mm-hmm. so after we did the PET scan um, the next day the doctors came in and they sat my mum and I down and before telling us anything they just showed us the photo of the pet skin and I just remember seeing just an outline of my body and just all black spots everywhere and all they said was where all the black spots are that's where you've got cancer and it was everywhere like my bones all my organs my blood my lymph system everywhere kidneys (laughs) lungs chest area like whatever you can think of it was there and they they said to me you've got 10% chance in 12 months to live and I just looked at my mum and mum said to the oncologist she said we'll take one percent in decade just go do your job Mm -hmm. and we walked out of the room and um there was just social workers and psychologists and all these nurses and doctors waiting for me to just have like kind of like a fit or just a reaction to the news and all I said was I trust in God and I know he'll heal me so we went back to the room and then about half an hour later the social worker comes in and she comes and she brings this red kite bag filled with like a lunchbox and thermometer and stuff like that and she goes you have to make your wish now and I said I don't want to make my wish yet and she goes no like you don't have long you have to make your wish and I just remember telling her I'm not going to make my wish until I get better and I still haven't made my wish yet Mm -hmm. um so after that the head nurse comes in and she was carrying this kind of like doll thing and it had like a central line. She was trying to show me what it would look like when it got sewn into my chest and she brought it in and she laid the doll down but as she laid it down the hair fell off the doll and I just remember that was the moment that I really really sinked in and I was like oh my god like I freaked out just to please please I don't want to go through with it like leave it and then um I went for a biopsy they cut out one of the lymph nodes and then they put the central line in but 
mid-surgery they came out to my mum saying that there was too much cancer and the spot that it's meant to be in they couldn't put it so they ended up having to put it between my boobs which um wasn't fun when I had to flash all the doctors and the nurses <laughs> every time I had to get a dressing change but I'm sure they enjoyed it <laughs> um <laughs> sorry um, yeah, so <laughs> that afternoon when I got my central line sewed into my chest, so basically what a central line is, it's um, cords that go get sewed into your heart, one of the valves, and it goes up around your collarbone and comes back out. And that's where they give you all the chemo, all your liquid medicines, like they flush it. But it's in a way it's kind of dangerous at the same time. So if it like got clotted or something like Mm. your heart could stop working and stuff like that so you always had to maintain it so that afternoon I got my central line in I started chemo straight away but I never got the option to like freeze my eggs at that time or anything like that because they said firstly I had to start chemo straight away there was no time to do a cycle Mm. And secondly, that one of the surgeries where they lie on a table with like your legs in the air pretty much and they push down on your chest. But I had to, I have too much cancer everywhere that if they would have pushed down on my chest, most of the like girls that did that surgery died on the operating table. So I said, no, it's okay. Like I'd rather not do that. So what they gave me was a Zolodex injection and basically it stops your period from coming while you're going through chemo to try and save your eggs and everything like that. Mm -hmm. So I started chemo um, each round is 28 days and each lot of chemo goes for around, it starts off at like four hours to Mm -hmm. around 12 hours. Each chemo is different. I kind of figured out how to deal with it. Like one of the chemo drugs, Vincristine, I can't feel my fingertips or my toes, so mm-hmm. it's really difficult for me to open, like, bottles, and mm-hmm. as you know, you saw today. But, yeah, things like that. And I have to be really, really careful, like, monitoring my temperature mm-hmm. because if I get a temperature, I have to be in the hospital within half an hour and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I got put into a room with four other girls mm-hmm. um, in, down in the oncology ward and... The oncology ward, um, I like to call it a living hell because it's literally hell. It's really cold and dark and really depressing. And I got put across from this girl. She was on drugs. She was on um, on this meth clinic. And once a week, they'd be given a certain amount of the meth. And this girl, she was so rude. She would yell at all the nurses, swear at them, so would her mum, they would hit the nurses, yell at each other. It was just, it was really scary. And um, she even, like, stole one of my bracelets and I was just, like, <laughs> didn't like living there. But mm-hmm. what was the worst thing was we all had to share a bathroom and there was only two bathrooms in the whole ward. Because, like, going through chemo, they have to measure how much liquid goes into you and how much comes out. So there was a lot of, like... <laughs> pans left out and it was really really gross and um and the 
there was no bath in the oncology ward. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that gets rid of all the toxins in your body is Epsom salt. So mm-hmm. at four in the morning every day, mum and I used to go up to the like adolescent ward mm-hmm. and have a bath. And she put the Epsom salt in the bath and all like one of the chemos is orange and the whole bath just turned orange mm-hmm. from all the toxins just being drawn out of my body. I feel like your world has been turned completely upside down and I know God works in like an upside down kingdom way of living like sometimes we don't understand but for like I know that that was only like like a little bit of the story but practically speaking like how is this whole kind of like you know you're going through chemo everything like what has it actually done to your days? Oh the routine. Yeah I was gonna say like tell tell us like a day in my life. Okay a day in my life um I don't go to bed until like three in the morning because most of the time I'm up because I'm in so much pain and I can't sleep. So I have a special bed which, like, adjusts. It's, like, um, one of those hospital beds. Um, So I sleep sometimes. Every day I go to hydrotherapy at 9.30, so I drop my sister off to school. Then I go to hydrotherapy till I don't get home till around 11. Then I eat breakfast and then I go to sleep until, like, 4. And then... Well, I have my medicine, mm-hmm. obviously. I take 44 tablets a day, um, give or take, mm-hmm. like nausea or yeah. steroids and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I sleep, I wake up, I eat. I try to do a bit more physio. Or when I have chemo, I go to the hospital and I'm there pretty much the whole day. Like the other day I had scans and I didn't leave the hospital till one thirty in the morning. And I think, I think all of us girls in the room can vouch to the fact that Lara is like so how do you say like stylish and like put together throughout this entire process like looking at like just like the way you like the way you carry yourself throughout it like you just like I don't know it's like it's almost like supernatural in the way I don't think like no no one your age should be going through what you're going through but also I don't think if anybody else had it like they wouldn't be carrying it out the same way that you are like you have such a good positive attitude towards everything well that's all I can do is keep a positive attitude and well, everything happens for a reason. And mm-hmm. before I found out I had cancer, I went to church every Sunday. Mm-hmm. I prayed the rosary once a mm-hmm. week on a Wednesday. Um, and I prayed every day. And the day I found out, mom actually called our local parish priest and he came and um, blessed me and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And all you can do is trust in Jesus, trust in God and Give give him give it all to him, and he's the only one who can fix it. And I believe that he God gave me the cancer because he knew that I would rather go through the pain. I would rather go through all of this than anyone else. I couldn't I couldn't see anyone else going through this. I was gonna say it's like sitting shoulder to shoulder to him and like dancing and stuff like that. And it hit me. I was like, yeah, I have healthy like blood pumping through my body, but. Here's Lara, who literally is like, like got cancer. And I wanted to ask you, like, I know, like, even just like talking, it's such like a perspective change for me. And I think it will be for like everybody else listening. But like, what would you tell people? And this like grinds my gears. Like when I hear people have like, uh, today's been such a bad day. Like, uh, this happened, this happened. Like, yeah, I was going to say, what would you tell someone who does have, who is healthy and who has got sort of like an ungrateful attitude towards life because you know we talk about cherish every day you never know what's going to happen you never know what tomorrow will bring and 
you only live once. That's the motto I stand by. Like, stop being negative. Just look at all the positives in every day and try new stuff out. Even if it's crazy, even if it's so stupid and dumb, just do it. Like, you only live once Mm -hmm. and just make the most of it. There's no point in being grumpy or upset. But I do understand everyone's situations are different. I'm not judging that at all. But try and see the best of your situation and just remain positive. That's all you can do. But yeah, I just like, I don't know, you have like such a light and I think everyone in this room can agree with that. So, Laura, is there anything else that you wanted to like tell people like about your journey? It's not what you see in the commercials at all. Like. Mm going through chemo and going through cancer it's completely changed my outlook on life and especially like seeing different charities and how a lot of like their funding like doesn't go towards like patients and most of it goes towards like um like admin 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 takes me a minute um yeah (laughs) and like well I met Ivan Milat before he passed away as well so that was creepy and oh oh my god I remember this story that's true no no that's too scary (laughs) yeah so um I like I don't like it but you you, I met Ivan (laughs) Milat no it was creepy but like I just want I've had so many different experiences now and I'm just grateful, like, I wouldn't change it. Even even going through all the pain I've gone through and everything, I wouldn't change it for the world because it's made me who I am. It's made me a stronger person. It's made me me. And God help anyone who tries to take me down or... Amen, stop preaching to I swear, I'm... If my own body can try and kill me, what they say and what they do will not hurt me at all. That's so good. I know. <laughs> That's so good. Like, did you say get louder? I said, I said say it louder. Oh, say, say it louder. Some friends of mine that aren't friends anymore, saying that they can't, they don't want to be seen out in public unless I wear a wig or taking digs at my weight because I put on weight because of the steroids and stuff like that. It just made me realise who my true friends are and who aren't and that's that's a blessing in itself. Like seeing everyone's true colours and the ones that I thought were gonna be there for me are the ones that aren't and the ones that I never guessed are. <laughs> no, I just love it. I'm so grateful for that and for the stronger friendships that I've made. Like going through this has brought me closer to God and closer to my family and closer to my friends and it's a blessing in itself. It's so amazing. I was going to actually ask you like, I feel like people who, and we're talking about this with Robin's mum the other night, Cheryl, that was Cheryl, um, we were talking about how it's really easy for people to just quickly judge. Like, um, I want to know, like, I don't know, I feel like when people see people who like have no hair or are wearing a bandana or whatever, Kind of like they instantly put like an instant narrative over their lives, like or like they're sick. But they're like, still the same. That's people. what I was I look at Lara. I'm like, she's not a she's not a sick girl. Like you're a girl. Like you're not a girl with cancer. You're just a girl. You know what I mean? I don't feel as though anyone should be treated any differently for mm-hmm. that. Like you get the stares or 
like um even before COVID happened if I wanted to go out places I had to wear a mask and people just look at you weirdly and like avoid you like you had the plague and Mm -hmm. that's what hurt like all their judgment like we don't we don't need any of that judgment we're already going through enough Mm -hmm. as it is like if you see one of us just smile don't look at us like oh geez like what's wrong with her kind of thing Mm -hmm. or like why is she wearing a mask like Mm -hmm. no just be nice be Mm -hmm. kind to other people because you don't know what they're going through you don't know what their home life is like you don't know anything about them and your smile might just be the highlight of their Mm -hmm. day you don't know that Mm -hmm. but just to put them down that just it just Mm -hmm. it's just a bad feeling like well I can't walk like very far and stuff like that and Charlize was in the car and we parked at Woolworths and um I was parked in the dis- disability like spot mm-hmm. and people walking past and pointing at my car and like giving me dirty looks and stuff like that just because I'm a young person who's parked in a disability spot mm-hmm. like I'm not any less entitled to something than you are mm-hmm. like you don't know me you don't know what I'm going through you don't know the pain I go through every single day that I don't let other people see because I don't want to upset them. I don't want to. I don't want to make them feel bad for me because I just want them to treat me like a normal person. Yeah. And then people are just so judgmental yeah. and it's, yeah. it just frustrates me. I, know. No, just, I, I, bet. I hate crying and then I just I broke down crying to Charlie's that day. Do you remember? Like this, I'm not gonna. This is gonna sound really bad, but I mean, like, especially in the way that like you're going through this at an age where like I don't know why like I know we talk about this a lot but like girls our age are just like bitchy bitchy and they're just small-minded it's all about that's right and you're you're somebody who's literally going through this like really hearing Lara say like actually live each like it just it just like blows my mind that people can just be like so minded fixated on gossip well, on or what they wear or how they look or oh does my hair look okay oh my god so hot babes <laughs> so hot babes and like you're oh posting like a flash photo flash with your face not even seen in the photo anyway <laughs> um but no but hearing like you say that it's just like a huge perspective like it's just an eye opener for me like you're just oh i wish you opened their eyes too to the world's bigger yeah. than just themselves amen that's so good that's oh so good Lara. so good i just we love talking to you so much we watched the longest ride this afternoon so good i fell asleep <laughs> really enjoyed the movie guys yeah but to be fair though she fell asleep during like the like non-scott eastwood parts so, Lara, what would you tell people that are going through the same sort of thing as you? Like, what advice would you give other cancer patients or families that are going through the same thing that your family's having to go through? I'd give them the advice of just stay positive, stay strong. You're going to get through this. And no matter how f- sick you feel or you want to throw up, you've got to keep eating. If you stop eating, then your body's going to be malnourished and you won't be strong enough to fight it. So please, I beg you, just please keep eating. That's like one of the biggest things. And just put your faith in God. Pray every day. Drink holy water like I do every single day. <laughs> Seriously, just keep <laughs> praying. Just keep. <laughs> and to the parents, 
just you you're gonna be okay as well and you have to be strong for your children mm-hmm. and my mom I'm so grateful so grateful for her mm-hmm. she's the strongest person I know and my little sister as well I know it's been really hard on my sister for dealing like with the bullying and stuff like that that my sister received because of my illness but just be strong it's going to be okay you're going to get there in the end it's going to be a long flight like it's been a year already for me but just hold on stay positive you only live once and do all the crazy stuff that you can do just have fun with it I feel like we should close in prayer okay (laughs) I love closing episodes in prayer though just like I don't know it makes me feel good can we pray yeah of course okay dear Lord God I want to I just ate the microphone (laughs) I literally just learned this because my eyes are closed (laughs) I couldn't see maybe I should probably like my eyes open to make sure I keep my I literally went like this dear God I just (laughs) I'm going to keep my distance from it okay Dear God, I want to thank you for who you are, God. We know that you're a good God and that you have good plans and a hope and a future for all of us, God. I thank you for Lara, Lord God. I thank you for her life. God, I pray right now, God, that you would just like heal her, God, that you would bless her and that you would bless her family, God, and send a comfort over her in knowing that you have her, Lord God, and that her life is 100% in your hands, oh God and that your loving arms are always wrapped around her, Lord God. And I pray for anyone listening, God, I pray that they would find a new profound perspective, Lord God, on life. I pray that their hearts would be open and drawn closer to you, God. I pray that they would be open to seeking you more, Lord God. And yeah, just knowing that you're always there to guide us, God, that you are always waiting for us with open arms, no matter what life throws at us, God. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for Lara, we thank you for Shelley's and Robin and Paige and all of our families, Lord Jesus. Um, And yeah, we give the rest of this day to you. I hope that you loved listening to this week's episode. Make sure to send some love and encouragement Lara's way and make sure to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already and give us a rate on Apple Podcasts as well. Bye.